Don't say die, we won't give in We're number one We'll hold the line We won't step back, we'll just attack time after time We're lightning fast We'll drive like rain We won't be beat, we won't retreat Ice in our veins We are the storm from Melbourne Town will blow the others off the ground We are the storm and we're number one As the club song says, we are the storm and we're number one. Welcome to Stormcast, the official Melbourne Storm podcast, episode six. As always, a quick shout out to those of you who are supporting the podcast by downloading and subscribing to Stormcast with Gobs, the one and only Melbourne Storm podcast. Stormcast is your one-stop shop for discussing all things Melbourne Storm. Stormcast with Gobs is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. As always, I'm your host Gobs and I'll be bringing you the latest news, views and storm content over the 2023 season. Now, on with the podcast. Round one review. Well, what an opening night of the NRL season last Thursday. Eels vs. Storm. It had all the hallmarks, all the makings of a finals-type game. It was intense. The Eels led twice through tries to centre Will Penasini and front rower Junior Balor after a sparkling Eels debut from their new signing, hooker Josh Hodson but they couldn't close out the game in normal time with a couple of chances at field goal before the Storm pounced in golden point. I don't think my heart could take much more of these golden point clashes. Seriously, and it's only round one. Boys, please, the ticker can't take it. No more, no more. There will be injury dramas for Melbourne, though. Xavier Coates didn't finish the game and Cameron Munster soldiered on with a compound fracture of his finger to finish the match. Now, I'm sure everyone's seen the pictures, and yeah, yep, uh, not good. Very gruesome, uh, and, and what a brave effort for money to keep to keep playing, going out there, needling up, and, and finishing the game and doing it in, in, in such the fashion that he did. So uh, if that's only game one of the season, I can't wait to see what the rest of them have in store for the next 25 or so rounds. Harry Grant scored a try. Yes, a try in the first period of Golden Point. Who would have thought it? Like, amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, Yeah, just brilliant. Everyone was waiting for the field goal to come. Uh, Nick Meaney had a shot. Cameron Munster had a shot. I think Hughesy was next in line, and before we knew it, you know, Harry Houdini, amazing, uh, jumps out and uh, catches a couple of couple of tired middle forwards uh, of the Eels, um, and uh, comes up with a tremendous try for the Storm. Ten meters out, Munster and Meany, the two options. Grant goes himself for dummy half and reaches out to win the game for the Storm. Yeah, 
Speaking to Nine, uh, Channel Nine, that is, the man of the match says exactly where the match was won. The club's built on effort, and that's just what we showed tonight. A lot of effort, a lot of resilience. We worked on that all pre-season, and I think the coaching staff will be very happy. And happy indeed, because you know what that means. It means Craig Bellamy's phenomenal record of never losing a round one game goes on. Shallow is monster. Hugh Shallow as well. Grant goes for it. Reaches out. Scores and wins the game. Harry Grant wins the game with a try. And the streak goes on. 21 in a row. Melbourne Storm 16. Parramatta 12. That is a way to open a seat. The most pleasing thing for mine was seeing that resolute defensive grit effort and scramble return, something that seemed to have dissolved a little in 2022, leaking way too many points, especially through the middle third of the field and ruck when defending on their own goal line. Best for the Storm? Well, Harry Houdini, Harry Grant was head and shoulders, the best player in the park. Munster's second half heroics to play on with that compound dislocation to his ring finger was courageous as it gets. Nick Meany was solid and reliable at the back, and I thought Josh King... The unheralded Josh King was fantastic, nicknamed the bin chicken for cleaning up all the scraps, doing a lot of defensive work in and around the ruck, but it was his ball playing that was very impressive, laying on the Storm's first try, involved in a nice set piece with a hit and spin and an offload that many didn't see coming to Nick Meany, who was backing up off the right hip. Beliak was asked what he thought of the Storm's round one win. Um, you know, that's that's obviously where we, we won it, but, you know, just being so gutsy through, you know, the whole 80 minutes, um, that was was a little bit, you know, I don't think we've been like that as a team probably the last 12 months. Um, so I thought we, we made some steps forward, you know, in that area and hopefully um, we can keep it up. And thankfully, that finally ends the hoodoo of not being able to beat the Eels, who have become somewhat of a nemesis, a bogey team for the Storm, ending four straight losses against the Blue and Gold. Team List Tuesday. Storm up against the Bulldogs. Last year's Storm Rookie of the Year, Tyron Wishart, will take over the number six jersey when Melbourne returns to Amy Park for the first time in 2023 against the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs this Saturday night. With Cameron Munster sideline, by a fractured finger, Wishart will partner Jerome Hughes in the starting halves after coming off the interchange bench in round one. Xavier Coates, interestingly, has been named on the wing after being replaced with a SC joint injury against the Eels. Saturday night's game will be the first in storm colours at Amy Park for Will Warbrick, Ellie Katoa and Bronson Garlic as the first as skipper at home for Christian Welsh. 
Forward Aaron Penne has been added to the interchange bench for his first game for the Storm since 2021. While the extended bench includes former Wests Tigers and Cowboy Kane Bradley, who is on an ongoing train and trial contract as the club battles a list of injuries to its outside backs. Now, for those of you that listened to last week's episode, I made mention that Melbourne Storm had actually applied for special dispensation due to the amount of injuries that the club has copped. Anyway, let's have a quick look at the team list as it has been announced at 4 o'clock today. Nick Meaney will play fullback. Will Warbrick and Xavier Coates, again, interestingly, have been named on the wings. Remus Smith and young Tonomapia have been named in the centres. Tyrone Wishart is in the sixth jersey, replacing the injured Cameron Munster. Jerome Hughes at halfback. And the front row looks like this. Nelson Asafa Solomona, Christian Welsh and Harry Grant. The back row, Trent Laero, Alicia Katoa and Josh King locks the scrum. The interchange bench, Bronson Garlic, Alec McDonald, Aaron Penne and Jordan Grant. The extended bench, the reserves, include Grant Anderson, Chris Lewis, Joe Chan, Kane Bradley and Jonah Pezzett. Now, we all know that Craig Bellamy loves a smokescreen. So whilst Wishart has been named in the six, he may not necessarily actually run out as the Storm 5-8th this weekend. Knowing that Jonah Pezzett is listed on an extended bench, who is an out-and-out half, he may actually come in and make his first-grade debut for the Melbourne Storm. That would not shock. That would not surprise. He did play in both trials and had quite a lot of game time in both trials against the Roosters and the Warriors. So... Let's just keep an eye on jersey number 2022, Jonah Pezzett. Could he be another debutant for the Melbourne Storm this weekend? Time will tell. Great to see Aaron Penne back. I really like the look of the bench this week with Bronson Garley, who can play nine as well as in the middle. Ali McDonald, who I thought was fantastic with his impact and leg speed in and around the ruck. Uh, when he did come on last week uh, against the Eels. Aaron Penne, a big body. Jordan Grant, another big body. So that really, really helps the middle third rotation. It is a much stronger bench than what uh, ran out against the Eels. So that instills me with some confidence that we've got uh, a lot of momentum um, to come on when Big Nelson, Christian, uh, and, and Josh King need a breather. So interesting, interesting to see what will happen uh, there. And, um, yeah, as I said, I, I just knowing with the injuries, even even with, even with um, Grant Anderson um, named in the reserves as well, that, that to me, that to me screams that Xavier Coates won't play. Uh, Kane Bradley there as well listed, um, both who can play wing. So to me, I'm expecting that uh, Grant Anderson will probably come in 
been the experience, more experienced of the of the duo that have been listed in the reserves to uh, to take uh, the injured Xavier Coates. Uh, if he if he does manage to play, that's that's some sort of uh, miracle recovery. Um, the SC joint injury, um, which is the opposite of the AC joint, so it's 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 where the the clavicle, the collarbone meets the sternum. Um, there was an injury there, and the first the first prognosis was that he was going to miss between one and two weeks, and there was quite a lot of uh, swelling and inflammation around the uh, the the SC joint. That has obviously subsided, which is potentially why he has been named. Um, he may be given up to captain's captain's run to prove his fitness, uh, and if that's the case, well, that bodes really, really well for Melbourne Storm this week because he was very, very strong uh, against the Eels. His kick returns were fantastic. He was bringing the ball and getting Melbourne's set started off in great field position, which helped the Storm um, a lot in terms of being able to dominate and get into the Eels' um, red zone, which was which was pivotal, especially in that uh, in that second half. But um, I thought when Tyron Wishart did uh, revert back uh, and ha- having to fill on the wing, uh, he did an ab- admirable job. But having Will Warbrick and uh, Xavier Coates, two big bodies, to help get the Storms' sets started out, uh, it always uh, it always does help. Um, so fingers crossed. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if that does pan out. If Xavier does run out um, for the storm at uh, at seven thirty this this week uh, against the resurgent Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs. Now, game day preview. Like last week's episode. Uh, like last week's episode, which was the first... Like last week's episode, which was the first on-air game day preview of an opposition supporter. It continues this week. Each and every round, I'll be endeavouring to get on diehard fans from opposition clubs who are the equivalent of yours truly. Supporters who live and breathe their club 24-7, 52 weeks, 12 months of the year. Their passion can't be questioned. And their love for their team warrants admirable and respect. Uh, The second interview of these weekly round previews features one of my best mates, uh, a Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs fan and member who bleeds blue and white, Joseph Verde. Joey, welcome to Stormcast. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, can you hear me? I can, loud and clear. Loud and clear. Awesome. Awesome. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Not a problem, mate. So the, the team the team list dropped today. Um, let's go through them quickly. Um, so at fullback for Canterbury, uh, we've got Hayes Perham. Uh, on the wings, we've got Jacob Carraz and Josh Adokar. Uh, in the centres, Jake Avarillo and Paul Alamotti. The halves are Matt Burton, Kyle Flanagan. Uh, the front row includes Max King, Ryan Sutton, Reid Marnie at hooker. The back row, Viliami Kikau, Raymond Fatela-Mariner and Fumena Brown. 
blocks the scrum. The bench includes Jaden Tanner, who debuted last week, Corey Waddell, Franklin Pele, and Jacob Preston. The extended reserves include Braden Burns, Carl Oluwapu, Curtis Morin, Jackson Topanay, and Jaden Ockenbaugh. Joey, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, no surprises about the dogs team for me. Um, I don't think Cameron will make any changes as last week was his first game. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a little surprised with Carl Olapu being named on the extended bench, to be honest. I think that's a sign for Carl Flanagan uh, to look over his shoulder. I think Carl, uh, uh, Carl had a pretty good game in reserve grade. Um, there is there is something I want to call out. The one change uh, I know, like the one change I would make to this team um, is to drop RFM to the bench uh, for impact and let Preston start. By year end, I don't see Preston being on the bench for too long. He's he, he has class and he's tough. He debuted last week with 52 minutes uh, for his first game and nearly scored a try. I think he has more points in him versus RFM. I also see RFM as some someone that reminds me of Jason uh, Lolo in the sense that he's kind of wasted on the edge, in my opinion. I think his leg speed and footwork will be quite handy in the middle. Yeah, especially coming off the bench as well. Um, yeah. Trying to target those sort of the, the, the tiring middle third forwards of the opposition. Um, yeah. He's, he is a big body. He's got an offload in him. And, yeah, to your point, he's got some really, really good footwork and leg speed in and around that ruck. It's, it'd be interesting to see how long that does, uh, or Serrato does persist uh, with the, with that back row. Um, e- even for Maino Brown at 13, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, know, I know we've spoken to it before. To me, that was a bit of a head-scratcher. I understand the yeah. playing aspect and all the rest of it, but... Um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I think I think you you look at you look at this team. I know it's only round two, but there seems to be uh, a lot of disconnect still within that side. Um, yeah, and I think that was quite evident. You know, something that we've already spoken about is that um, they they reverted to uh, a bit of a, a comfort and security blanket of just going. Uh, with their shape to the left edge last week against Manly, yeah, and it was almost like you, literally the the right edge might have might as well have stayed on the bus. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's for, right. For whatever reason, they didn't they didn't go to the right edge. Um, you know, the the, the only time sort of uh, Avarillo and Caraz touched any sort of ball was through through a kick return or 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 picking up a loose or stray pass or going into dummy half and taking a scoot. Um, yeah. And to me, that that's alarming. I'm sure that Serrato would have addressed that uh, in their review. And yeah. they've got to realise that there's two sides of the ruck. Um, yeah. And they, they, they just can't be a left-hand-sided a left uh, hand sided dominant team because opposition teams will just start to eat that up, especially you, you give you give the Storm um, that's, that sort of shape and they'll, they'll just suffocate you and strangle you to death. So... They need. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the dogs came with a game plan against Manly um, to hit that edge. Um, I just uh, I I thought uh, honestly once it doesn't work a couple of times, uh, read my switches to the other side. I think Caraz was one of our was the highest. Um, actually, it was Hayes Perrin, but Caraz had the highest running meters, and Avril looked quite threatening every time he touched the ball. He can make a break. I was just surprised. Well, why they didn't move it to that edge. And sometimes I think to myself, 
I think there's a kind of a break. Uh, there, there, there's a break between Kyle Flanagan and RFM uh, in terms of the angles they hit. Um, RFM likes to run uh, back to the middle quite a bit, um, and it just it, it just breaks the shape, and that's why I, I think there's there, there, there are there are more points in Preston versus RFM. I think RFM can do a better job in the middle. Mm. However, my biggest fear is that they will not do that purely because of now he's uh, he's he's a club captain. Um, how do you how do you, how do you put him onto the bench? But I guess if you're a club captain, um, the team comes first, so that's something that shouldn't be a problem. But I just don't know how 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 it fits um, with the Bulldogs currently. Yeah, I mean, club captain is one thing, but you've got on-field generals in which yeah. are, which have Matt Burton and Reid Money who are sharing that on-field responsibility of of, yeah. of being game day captain. So if Serrato does decide to to revert. Or, or drop uh, Raymond Fatella Mariner back to the bench, just because you've got the club captaincy, which is different to on-field captaincy, I, I can't see it sort of making a, a major difference in terms of does he start or he doesn't start. Yeah. So again. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, again, it's it's you know it's it's a wait and see approach. You don't throw the baby yeah. out with the bathwater. We're only going into round two. Uh, and, yeah. and obviously it's not panic stations because Serrato's named the same 17, right? Yeah, that's right. So there you go. Um, your thoughts on um, on where this game uh, will be won and where the game will be lost? Yeah, I think I think this is going to sound cliche, but I think the team at the end, um, better for the 80 minutes, will win this game. Um, but the two people I see breaking this game open um, and really controlling the result would probably be Harry Grant and Reed, Reed Marnie. Mm. Uh, I think both were pretty good last week, and I expect that to continue this week also. Um, so that, that's where I see any sort of like um, – I, I think it will be close for the first 20 to 30 minutes, but someone has to break the game wide open, and I think it's going to be one of them. Um, if Reed does it, If Reed does it well – I think Bulldogs have points in them if they get some possession as well, but it's, it's not going to be easy breaking um, Storm's Storm's defensive line at all. Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree with you. I think it's going to be the battle of the nines. Uh, Reed Marnie was was Canterbury Bankstown's best last week. I thought he was absolutely exceptional. kept kept the Bulldogs right in the contest, even when yeah. the, the game was starting to slip away and the score was starting to blow out a little bit. He was still threatening in and around the ruck uh, in Manly's red zone. Short little kicking game, and the amount of cleanup work he was doing as well. He he was just, yeah. he was everywhere, uh, and to get through the work he did defensively as well, uh, and to play out the eighty minutes at at the at, with with the amount of work that he got through was absolutely exceptional. I, I would have hated to see if if the Bulldogs didn't have Reid Marnie last week, but. Um, I mean, yeah, that's right. I agree. Yeah, and uh, I think what needs to also um, be be acknowledged is that there was a turning point in that game that really changed the the momentum and the flow, and that that was the Kyle Flanagan sin bin. Um, yeah, yeah. Up until that point, Canterbury were up in their eyeballs to it. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And then Manly obviously exploited the the you know. Take, taking taking one of the one of one of the um, the players off and, and give, giving them giving them an, an overlap and an advantage from from a from a numbers perspective, um, stripping the dogs. Um, but yeah. again, there was there was a few performances there that just 
seemed very off. Kikau, Burton, they weren't at their best. Even even the Fox, I thought Ado Carr probably... Is quiet. Yeah, yeah, he, he had an uncharacteristic game. A uh, couple of errors. Uh, and again, I, I think we've also got to realise too, you look at this team on paper, their edges are, are, are virtually new edges. And I think yeah. that goes... That sometimes can get lost in translation. Everyone looks at the names and everyone looks at the, you know, the talent they've got on paper. But yeah. forming forming that, that combination, you know, on, on the right edge and the left edge, that takes time. That takes yeah. time. You've got to look from a roster purity perspective. You look at a, a cohesiveness factor. You can do all the reps at training, but there's no better reps than actually playing week to week and having that that – that that speed, that pressure, that that gets applied from an opposition defence, um, yeah, and that's going to take time. I mean, you, we look at you know Paul Alamotti, you know he's he's coming into his second first grade game. Um, you've got a new edge combination with Jake Avarillo and Caraz on that side, with Avarillo only really playing centre this year after sort of deputising at fullback last yeah. year. Um, yeah, you know, so you've got. Alamotti and Adakar and 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 uh, Kikau on that left edge with Burton. That's whilst Burton has some sort of understanding with Kikau from his days at the Panthers. They're a new edge. The right edge is new. You've got a halves pairing there where the jury is still out. Um, you've got a new fullback, uh, and and virtually it's 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 almost like a new forward pack as well. So yeah, you know it's it's early days, uh, and and I think that's why. Um, Serrato's gone with the same 17, and understandably so. You need to build combinations. And yeah. um, the only way to build combinations is by getting that continuity going. So the more often these players are playing football together, the better they're going to be. And I referenced that to the Storm last year when uh, losing Remus Smith and, and having Marion Seve and Grant Anderson come in, these guys had never played football together. Yeah, and and it took weeks and weeks and weeks, and there's probably there's probably an argument to say that they still struggled um, defensively, and it, it's one of those things where these guys haven't trained together, let alone played together, and then all of a sudden they're supposed to go out there and understand what what each other's doing in terms of defence. Um, yeah, it's it's extremely hard, and even even now having not. Not having Justin Ollum there and and having young Tonomapia fill in for him, so he's got a new combination with Xavier Coates. Remus Smith has a new combination with Will Warbrick. Um, Nick Meaney's not the the first choice fullback, but he's doing an admirable job. This week they've got they've named Tyron Wishart at at five eight. I I personally don't think he'll play. I've already made mention to that. I I think he'll revert to the bench, and we may even see Jonah Pezet debut. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean it's it's one of those things where everyone can look at you know the big names and, and the big players and the talent on paper, but a lot of it goes back to understanding that it comes down to cohesiveness and it comes down to to understanding and the amount of time that these players have actually played together. And that's if, right. Yeah. If you look at the Bulldogs on paper and you look at the Storm on paper. They're actually both in the same boat at the moment, where they've got entirely new edges, um, and you can do all the defensive training you want in the world. But as I may mention, until you're actually out in in the pressure cooker 
in in you know in in the in the Colosseum, and when you've got that sort of speed of the game, different types of shape that are being thrown at you, and you're not used to understanding and defending with your two man and your three man and your four man, it became it becomes extremely extremely difficult to shut down. So um, yeah, I- yeah, it's 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 an interesting one for both the Storm uh, and, and the Bulldogs, and, and I concur. I, I think I think it's actually going to come down to who's going to be the more dominant number nine and that'll come down to who's winning the ruck, who's got more of a playing over the advantage line, who's got more ascendancy coming through the middle third. Um, And if Max King and Ryan Sutton um, can, can really lay a platform having the likes of Pele come on and wreak havoc in and around that middle third uh, towards the back end of the first half and in the middle period of the second half to cause some, to cause some havoc, um, that made both very, very well for Reid Marnie to jump on the back of. Um, yeah. And uh, conversely, uh, the Storm will be relying on Christian Welsh, Asafa Solomona and Josh King to really sort of tighten up and lay that platform in the middle as well. Um, I note that Aaron Penne has been named um, with Alec McDonald and Jordan Grant. So the Storm actually have, if you include Bronson Garlic as well, on the interchange bench, They've actually got four medals, which, yeah, which is very interesting, which is why I think Tyron Wishart will probably revert back to the bench um, with Jonah Pezzett potentially debuting. So, yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So, um, yeah, it, it's. I don't think this is a foregone conclusion. I know the game's at Amy Park and being, being a, a Storm home game in their first of the season um, – Whilst many pundits uh, and experts will be tipping a Melbourne victory, I think this this will be a lot closer than what many many people think. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think the same as well. I think uh, you know all you got to do is look to previous um, clashes. I mean, you take out last year's sort of anomaly where the Storm ran away with the game quite comprehensively in that second half, but previous to that. Um, the clashes down at AB Park between Canterbury and, and, and Melbourne have traditionally been very, very close or have actually gone the other way. They've gone the Bulldogs' way. I mean, I, I referenced the the 2014 um, qualifying final, that first week down in Melbourne where the ambush happened. Yeah, yeah. So whilst Amy Park is a bit of a fortress and can be seen as as not a happy hunting ground, I don't think it actually... I don't think it actually strikes too much fear in the Bulldogs, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I'm on the same. I'm on the same view um, about that as well. I think Bulldogs. Um, I kind of have a reason why I think they have uh, a decent record down there. Mm. Um, the winning percentages are sort of driven by that 2012 to 2014 period, yeah. uh, where we played in Amy quite a bit, and during that time we had a lot of success. So. That's where I think a lot of the success comes from at Amy. Um, uh, during that period, both teams were doing pretty well as well. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were frequently meeting each other in finals and grand finals and so on. Mm. But it hasn't been too pleasant for Bulldogs recently. Um, but I do think I do think Saturday is going to be close. But there has to be someone that has to break the game wide open. And I think that's either going to be Harry Grant or Reed Marnie. Yep, I agree. I think that's where the game will be won. So. Yeah. Time will tell, my friend. Time will tell. Yeah. Um, can I get your personal opinion of the Melbourne Storm as an opposition fan? I, I asked I asked our friend Joey uh, last week 
uh, what his yeah. opinion was from a Parramatta Eels perspective. I'd, I'd love to know from a Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs uh, supporters' perspective and their view of the Melbourne Storm as a team as well as a football club. Yeah, um, we, view, we view Melbourne as a professional team does the simple things right. Mm. I think being a Storms fan, you know what you're going to get when you go to the game or you sit and watch it on, on the TV. Win or lose, they always put in 100% and you know they're going to be consistent. I think their best game and their worst game is not far apart, and I think that has allowed them to be um, quite successful for so long. Um, they're the ultimate professionals. They they do the things that um, you don't see on TV right all the time. Uh, I think when when you go to games, you know, just being able to get in position to within attack or get into position in defence quite quickly. Um, I don't think some people realise how important that is. And often um, someone does something wrong within the team, um, usually the next set they're, they're, they're making up for or doing something right. They don't put their heads down they're, they're, and they look quite resilient. So I think that's, that, that, that's, how, that's how I view the Northern Storm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, that sort of insight. Hopefully a majority of Canterbury-Bankstown fans have the, have the same opinion, uh, although I... I highly doubt that, but uh, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, no, that's 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 really interesting to hear. And um, mate, just just tell the listeners how long have you been a Bulldogs fan, and why you became a Bulldogs fan? Yeah, uh, I've been a Bulldogs um, fan uh, for twenty three years now. Initially, it was peer pressure by uh, by my family relatives to support them, <laughs> uh, but over time, yeah, but over time, seeing them win the the O four comp really was a joy. Um, it's one of the biggest clubs in Sydney with a massive fan base and they're all passionate uh, win or lose. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're always turning up for one another, supporting each other within the community. So it's been it's been a good ride so far, even though it hasn't been quite successful um, after that 20, 2012 to 2014 period. Um, I guess every club you know goes through these periods every once in a while. It's just um, how you come out of it. Yeah, very much so. And, and how long have you been a Bulldogs member for? And... and... To you, what's the importance of membership as opposed to just being a casual fan? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been a member for about 14 years now. Uh, I'm a member because I want to support the club uh, like they have supported me over the last 23 years. And also it feels good uh, to be part of a community and a club. Um, the importance of a membership for me, I think that when you become an NRL club member, um, it's sort of like you become part of a family of your of your club. Um, you get a bigger stake um, in it, and you're on the inside. Or you're always welcome, always valued. Whoever you are, I think you always find that people have your back at the games. People have your back whenever you're chatting. Whenever you're going through through the downs um, of of a regular NRL season, it's always it's never pretty, especially uh, for, for teams like the Bulldogs that are, uh, have been. Uh, in the bottom eight for, for, for such a while. So it's, it always feels like someone has had your back. So I think that that's probably the most important thing of becoming a member. But it's also you're supporting the club as well. Um, the club goes through lots of lots of up, ups and downs um, uh, over a long period of time. So the club values values your, your support um, just like you value their support. Yeah, no, I, I completely concur. And uh, maybe, maybe you... Uh, would agree with my sentiments here as well. I, I think membership, you being a member, you also feel like um, um, you feel like a sense of ownership. Yeah, 
that you you you're financially contributing to the club, but that almost gives you a, a, a sense or a slice of of entitlement and ownership That's uh, right. as to yeah. being just a, a supporter or a fan as such. Where you know you you you're putting your money where your mouth is, so to speak. You're, you're voting with your wallet. Um, you're, yeah, you're financially invested. That's right. Yeah, that's that's exactly how I feel. Um, over the last couple of years, I've got my mates to become members as well, and they've loved it ever since. And you've got two types of membership. You've got the NRL membership as well as the district football club membership too, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, so I've had that for a couple of years now as well. And um, uh, the the beauty of that one is it gives you um, the ability to vote in AGMs if you view the annual reports, be part of AGMs and, and, and just see a different side to the uh, to the club from a business point of view. Um, it's what I do as a, as a career as well, to finance the business. So it's, it's, it's always interesting to see um, how, the, how the club is run and who, who the major stakeholders are. Could we one day see uh, Joseph Verde as a director of the Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs District Rugby League Football Club or, dare I say, chairman? Uh, yeah, that's the overall goal. Um, there's a long way to go. I think there, a lot of clubs are starting to value people with different uh, from different profe- professions. Um, they bring sort of different style of thinking, and at the end of the day, it is it is a business um, that needs to be run properly. So, I think if if, if things work out well and um, you know I meet the right people, stay in contact uh, with the right people over time, I don't, I don't see why not. And maintaining your membership, of course. And maintaining the membership, that's number one, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very good. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think the Storm, um, they, they're not a district uh, football club uh, per se. They're a, uh, a privately owned company, um, yeah. which is owned by an ownership group known as MS Holdings Australia Proprietary Limited, which uh, co-owner uh, and chairman, Matt Tripp, um, Jerry Ryan of Jayco, um, they are the the owners of the club, along with Bart Campbell, who was the former chairman before Matt Tripp yeah. took over. So the ownership there, those three individuals, they bring a a certain amount of business acumen, entrepreneurship, uh, and nous to to what is a very very strong uh, football club board uh, as such That's right. via their ownership and. Um, Again, it differs, but the same principle is exactly what you said there. You've got um, a board of directors that aren't just lackeys that have all played footy and you know jobs for the boys, so to speak. You're talking about you're talking about professionals that um, are bringing um, some real business um, acumen to the board, which can actually set the club up for for, for future prosperity, which I think is so important. Um, in the modern day uh, game where sport is a business and if you, you're not taking that business approach, well, you're going to be left behind. That's right. I agree. Yeah. So, no, that's that's great to see. And, and again, we, we urge any, anyone who's li- listening to this podcast, be, be it a Storm fan or, or, or a Bulldogs fan, become a member and, and, and help the club out um, because at the end of the day, successful sporting franchises and organizations uh they they rely so heavily on revenue and a, and a key revenue lever 
is membership. So go out and get your members membership if you are not a member already. So, but yeah, uh, Joey, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate you taking the time uh, to come on and have a chat and preview the game this weekend. Uh, my friend, uh, may the best team win. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll break bread at the end of the 80 minutes. That's right, mate. Sounds good. Uh, good luck to Storm. Uh, and thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Not a problem, Joey. Thank you, mate. No worries, mate. See you later. Bye. Well, that was Joey there. I really, really appreciate him taking time to uh, to join us on the podcast. And, uh, yeah, thank you so much. And, yeah, may, may the better team win. Uh, hopefully that being the boys in purple. Uh, Storm News, injury update. As most fans would be aware, Storm 5.8 Cameron Munster is expected to miss the next two weeks or three matches following surgery, which he had in Melbourne on Friday to fix a compound fracture to his ring finger sustained in the win against Parramatta last Thursday night. And as mentioned, Xavier Coates is expected to be sidelined for one to two weeks after suffering a sprain to his SC joint in attempting to make a tackle in the second half. Scans cleared Coates of any further damage, which is a good sign, although, as mentioned, he's already been named in the team list for the Round 2 clash with the Bulldogs this weekend. But I highly doubt he will run out and expect Grant Anderson to come in to the side at his replacement. With Munster and Coates now sidelined, that now takes the Storm's injury toll to 12 players unavailable for selection out of the top 30. It seems someone at the club has walked under a ladder. Storm needs some serious luck, and hopefully sustaining these injuries now means the team will enjoy a full bill of health when the business end of the season arrives. Fingers crossed that is the case. Now, some further storm news. Former Australian of the Year, Dylan Alcott, named as Melbourne Storm's number one ticket holder. Former Australian of the Year, four-time Paralympic gold medalist and Melbourne quad wheelchair Grand Slam title winner, Dylan Alcott, OAM, joined the Melbourne Storm family today to be named as the number one male ticket holder of the club. His new honour was officially announced by CEO Justin Rodsky in front of the club's players, coaches and staff at a special presentation at Storm's Amy Park offices. Dylan is a truly remarkable person with a remarkable outlook on life and is an inspiration to millions of people around the world. CEO Justin Rodsky said. While his achievements on the biggest international sporting arenas have been widely acknowledged and recognised, he has been just as inspirational in his work away from sport. He has changed people's lives during his time as an athlete and continues to do so much through his own foundation and the many other events and charities he supports, including our charity partner, the Starlight Foundation. We are thrilled 
He has agreed to join the Storm family and we hope to help Dylan continue to do what he does best, raising awareness and breaking down barriers for people with a disability. After touring the Storm offices, meeting staff, players and coaches, Dylan said he had always had a close connection with the Storm. I did a couple of pre-seasons at the Storm gym while I was playing tennis and everyone in the club made me feel so welcome back then from Craig all the way through to the players and staff, Orcott said. I was born in Melbourne in a rugby league family. So when I got asked to be the number one ticket holder in the club's 25th anniversary season, I jumped at the opportunity to be more involved. I've been involved in the club going all the way back to 1999 when we won the premiership and my dad was working for an apparel company that made the Storm Premiership t-shirts. There is a real family feel about the Storm. To play a small role in in this is quite cool. One in five Australians has some some form of disability, and a lot of them are Storm fans. So to be more inclusive and show how a club like Storm can be more inclusive by having someone with a disability as their number one ticket holder is pretty awesome. Let's hear what else of what Dylan had to say at today's media conference. So what are you going to do with this number one ticket? Mate, it'll be coming a lot of games, that's for sure. Um, but what, what is cool is working not just with the players on field if they need it, but off field to try and make, you know, Storm a more inclusive and accessible place. They already do a great job, but um, one in five Australians have some form of disability and a lot of them are Storm fans, you know what I mean? So to, to get out there and to, to be more inclusive and to show more inclusivity by having a number one ticket holder, you know, with a disability is pretty awesome, mate. And to be honest, anything you need, let me know. Um, because I'm around. What a champion. I've been fortunate to meet Dylan and hear him speak. So he just so happens to be the brand ambassador for my company. Uh, And what you see is what you get with Dylan, a genuine human being with a great deal of energy and passion. And to have him now representing the, the Melbourne Storm brand is tremendous. Welcome aboard, Dylan. Some more storm news. There was a really, really good article uh, by News Corp journalist Fatima Cadeau during the week, that, which appeared in the Daily Telegraph, Herald Sun, and Courier Mail publications, titled "Melbourne Reveals Moneyball and Salary Cap Tricks to Breed Success." Uh, Frank Panisi calls it the Big Three effect. It's the tried and tested formula Melbourne Storm is banking on to maintain success after coach Craig Bellamy eventually steps down. We still have no idea when that will be, mind you. Storm General Manager of Football Panisi is referring to the recruiting power that comes from having rugby league legends like fullback Billy Slater, halfback Cooper Cronk and hooker Cameron Smith not only committed to Melbourne Storm but driving the club's premiership success. Recruitment has become somewhat of an art form in Melbourne. When the club isn't taking a money ball approach, headhunting the best undervalued talent, Panisi is saving money by spending it. Like when the club moved to lock in the spine players, the big four, the current big four, Ryan Pappenhausen, who's on contract until the end of 2025, Harry Grant until the end of 2026, Cameron Munster until the end of 2027, and Jerome Hughes also 
on contract until the end of 2027 on big money long-term deals. It was the big three effect, players wanting to come and play with them, Panisi said. I'm not putting our current spine in that category of the three mentioned, but they are players other players want to play with, so they come to Melbourne for less money. The spine is a critical part of the team's success, but also an important part of not just retaining players, but recruiting players as well. It's important to have stability around that group of players. We know that Craig is going to finish up soon by having... So by having a nucleus, the spine especially of players locked in, it makes the transition of a new coach coming in more comfortable. 12 months ago, Harry Grant, the only spine player yet to win a premiership, recommitted to the club. He stayed in Melbourne to chase a title ring, the lure which the dummy half believes will continue to entice players to the Storm for unders. They feel easy coming to the Storm knowing there's a core group of players locked in. Grant said, I knew when I was re-signing, I was going to be surrounded by good players that can win titles. That helped me be comfortable signing a long-term deal and hopefully this spine can have that impact on other players that want to come to Melbourne. So there you go. That's the, 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 money, the money ball approach where using the lure of the current Melbourne Storm spine to get other players to come to the club. So it's like a magnet effect where they're going to come to the club for less money. And I think we've already seen that with Tarek Sims. I think I mentioned that in the first week of the podcast that he's he's made all the right noises and all the right sounds um, coming to the club, sacrificing a big deal. He was a marquee player at St. George Illawarra. And for him to come to Melbourne for severe unders, we're talking severe, um, because he's just motivated to win a comp. Um, and there's going to be a, m- more players, I'm sure, in due time that will be, be doing the same thing. You're also probably going to have current players in the current top 30 that are probably going to stay for less because they want to be a part of success. Um, money comes and money goes, but being able to win a premiership, you can't you can't replicate that as, as a memory. Um, so that's that's definitely the lure. Now, Market Watch Storm CEO Justin Rodsky is hopeful the club will win a tug of war with Rugby Union to sign powerhouse forward Nelson Osofa Solomona. The off contract prop with 164 games of NRL experience is a target for Eddie Jones's Wallabies revival and has mooted a potential code switch. We're having discussions with Nelson at the moment and want him to continue to stay at the club, Rodsky said. We're comfortable that sometime in the near future, we can come to an agreement. There's been a role emphasis on him taking more of a guiding role with these young blokes. We're hopeful we can agree to terms and lock something away sooner rather than later. It makes... uh, So when we're talking about... Uh, him taking more of a guiding role with the young blokes. Uh, you got to remember that the amount of experience that went out the door with Jesse and Kenny Bromwich, Felice Cafusi and Brandon Smith, they took 791 games of experience with him. So it makes the retention of Nelson Osofa Solomona, who will start in the front row again this week against the Bulldogs, uh, all the more pressing for the Storm. Frank Panisi 
knows you can't put a price tag on childhood dreams um, and spoke about he was destined to be an all-black, Panisi said. He made a huge decision to forego that and come to the storm as a teenager. He wouldn't be human if he said there was no desire to return to rugby, but for Melbourne Storm's uh, sake, uh, let's hope the big man can re-sign and stay with the club and be, go a long way to becoming a one-club player. Um, from from the comments that Justin Brodsky has made, it, it sounds that a decision is coming and it seems to be favourable that Big Nelson will be remaining in purple. So that's fantastic. Uh, the same article went on to say pathways to glory. Um, now, last episode... Um, I spoke briefly, uh, not briefly. I, I went rather in depth, I should say, in in terms of um, in terms of the Storm Academy and the emphasis that they've now put into becoming a development club. So the article goes on to say, pathways to glory, masters at recruiting talent. Melbourne wants to transform into a development club for Victorian juniors. Now they already are a development club. They identify talent and they bring them into the system at the the age of 15 and 16. So they've got development down pat, but it's really ensuring that they can draw uh, upon their own Victorian and Melbourne-based junior districts. Um, Panisi knows that the club won't ever compete with the likes of the Penrith Panthers or the Parramatta Eels that have junior nurseries flush with talent. He's hoping that boom, fullback, Sua Fayalongo, who we all got to see and witness in the trials, who is destined to become the fifth Victorian to debut for the Storm, is the start of a production line of local juniors into the NRL. Panisi goes on to say, if Sua maintains his development, he'll definitely make his debut at some stage this year. It's a slow burn. We have to put the work in to ensure Melbourne uh, and Victorian talent doesn't leave the state to go up north to New South Wales and Queensland. The next five years, we want to see the results. Sua is going to be at the start. Rather than just having four players in the first 25 years, in the next five or so, we want to double that and have eight to ten from Victoria that have played for the Storm. Mahe Fanua, Young Tonomopia, Richie Kenner and Dean Oromea in 25 years. In reality, we should be better than that if we don't have nurse if we don't have nurseries like Penrith and Parramatta. Being better starts with an application to the New South Wales Rugby League to join its under seventeen's Harold Matthews competition and rebranding the junior sides, which I made mentioned uh, last episode, um, from the Victorian Thunderbolts to the Melbourne Storm. Panisi says it gives a sense of belonging to the club. Unlike all the other clubs in the New South Wales Rugby League the that have a Harold Matthews, for our players, the under-19s is their first introduction to competitive football at that level. So having an under-17s team, we can bring them into the system and expose them to elite representative football much sooner. We want to bring a Harold Matthews side in the next 12 months. If we can ha- if we can bring the Victorian kids into a system earlier, they won't leave the state to go up north. So that's a really, really strong point that um, they're really trying to build down in uh, Victoria and Melbourne to ensure that those juniors, they're emphasising a lot of 
um, uh, development uh, within the uh, Melbourne and Victorian state system, which is fantastic to see. So with its local junior nursery numbers limited, Melbourne has had a great success scouting in Queensland for future stars, which we already know. Um, and the storm have made sort of the southeast Queensland um, the region it now shares with the new franchise, the Dolphins home. So the storm have made inroads bringing in the Brisbane Tigers and and further north, the Sunshine Coast Falcons into their feeder system for quite a number of years now. Um, when asked about it, both Frank Panisi and, and, and Justin Rodsky conceded that the Dolphins would be making scouting in the region a little bit more difficult for the storm. But they were stoic about not being bullied by the Dolphins uh, and the threat of a figure like Wayne Bennett could have an attracting junior talent away from the storm. Panisi went on to say, we've got another competitor, but that's not going to stop us, put it that way. Since the club formed, we've had strong affiliations with the South East Queensland, and that won't change with the Brisbane Tigers or the Sunshine Coast Falcons. Guys like Cameron Munster, Christian Welsh, Nico Hines, Trent Liero, Tui Kamakamitha, they all came through those feeder clubs. So there you go. So along with developing uh, and putting a strong emphasis on development in Victoria, um, the status quo remains in that southeast corridor and the Sunshine Coast that uh, that will still be part of the development pathways and the pathways for, for Melbourne Storm talent to come through and, and debut for first grade. So that's great to see. Um Craig Bellamy's future, do we need to touch on it? Yeah, I suppose we, we should. So another week, another, another another guessing game in terms of will Belly Ake keep going or, or will he pull up stumps? On Monday, uh, Bellamy, the man that built the storm into a sporting powerhouse, gave the clearest indication he was ready to give up the clipboard. After 21 years and three premierships, Bellamy revealed uh, last week on Fox League's NRL 360, it's time for the club to have a new coach. Although, star playmaker Cameron Munster knows to take Bellamy's words with a grain of salt. Every time I have played the last four years, he keeps saying, I'm done, I'm done. He keeps coming in in April, May and saying, he's saying, Munster laughed. Uh, But for the CEO, the time has come to start planning for life after Bellamy, who will stay on as a consultant, remembering he does have a contract with the Melbourne Storm uh, to the end of 2026. So if he d- if Belliac does decide that 2023 is going to be his last year, he's still going to be involved uh, with the club until the end of 2026. And who's to say that won't blow out and, and extend f- further beyond that? Uh, it's understood Club legend Billy Slater is is the preferred option, but the Queensland Maroons coach is reluctant to take on the doldrums of being an NRL head coach. So assistant coach Mark Brentnell is the current front runner and has been a part of the Melbourne coaching ranks for over a decade. He is also a favourite amongst the playing group, which is always good to good to know. Uh, so too current Sydney Roosters assistant coach and former 
Melbourne Storm assistant coach and player, Jason Riles, who spent six years under Bellamy's guidance in Melbourne before moving to Bondi in 2022. He's not replaceable, but we have capable candidates to succeed, Craig. We've got a great group of assistants here at the club, Justin Rotsky said. There are a number of assistants that have been involved with the club, and Craig, who are now working at other clubs and other regions around the world, would be options for us to consider. So there you go. So they are, they do have one eye and they are looking at a potential, I suppose, contingency should Belliac decide that um, that 2023 will in fact be his final year. But again, we've, we've, we've seen this movie before. We've heard this story before and let's just see what transpires over the next few weeks. So time will tell. Um, the the same article goes on to talk about what they refer to as the godfather. Now, relationships are brittle in rugby league. It makes the 16-year working relationships between Frank Panisi and Craig Bellamy all the more remarkable. The two men are close mates too, but that has never been enough to stop the powerhouse duo from getting into it, mostly over recruitment. Bellamy has never hidden away his passion or emotion for the game. He spent over two decades feverishly splitting, spitting commands from behind the glass screen of the coach's box. In a boxing match, probably Craig. He'd take Frank, even in a verbal match. Craig would probably end up drowning him in his spit. Actually, I'll give it to Frank, Harry Grant said. Bellamy might receive the accolades that comes with Melbourne's success, but it's the two together. Panisi and Bellamy, that make the Storm's achievements possible. I call Frank the godfather of the Melbourne Storm, CEO Justin Rodsky said. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that neither Frank or Craig could be as good as at their jobs without each other. They respect and understand each other's role, and that has been the secret to their success. Even their fights are respectful, and much to the disappointment of Grant, who would pay to see the two go toe-to-toe, are always done away from the playing group. It's healthy. People might think we don't, but we do get into it, Frank Panisi said. It's more of a case that one is more concerned about retaining a player. It happened more in the early days. It's a case of one of us really wanting a player to stay and the other not being too fussed to let him go. But whatever we disagree on, it's privately and it's in a room away from the player's But once we leave the office, we're aligned and on the same page. Whatever decision we end up taking, whether it's mine or his, there is no backing down. We stick to it. So there you go. Great insight to see that the two two men are who are as thick as thieves and and almost like a Batman and Robin type partnership. Um, They they are human and they do have robust discussion, which is healthy, which is healthy. Um, the article goes on to reference the Melbourne Storm membership. So tucked away in an AFL state, the Storm are making significant inroads in Victoria and making rugby league history along the way. We're the first club last year to achieve 40,000 members in National Rugby League history, and we are on our way and track 
to do that again this year, CEO Justin Rodsky said. We want to get as many members in Victoria and Melbourne to sign up, come to our games and experience watching the Melbourne Storm play at a packed Amy Park. There's no experience like it in sport. And I concur. If you've never, ever been to an Amy Park game, especially those blackout games, the the Anzac Day game in particular and the other big games that they have on a Friday night against their big rivals, nothing beats it. The atmosphere at Amy Park, 25,000-plus screaming Melbourne Storm fans, nothing beats it. The atmosphere is electric. And if you are a fan and you are listening to this podcast, I urge you, go get your Melbourne Storm membership and help the club. Now, Grilled Partnership with the Storm extends until the end of 2026. A double serving of grilled has been locked in for the Storm Group with Australia's favourite healthy burger brand setting new ground by partnering with both Melbourne Storm and the Storm's netball franchise, the Sunshine Coast Lightning. Based in Melbourne, Grilled joined Storm as a premium partner in 2020 and now has extended its commitment to both the Storm Group clubs by also linking with the Lightning for the upcoming Suncorp Super Netball season. The new partnership was launched today in front of diners at simultaneous stores in Melbourne, uh, events uh, at grilled restaurants at Swan Street, Richmond in Melbourne, and on the Sunshine Coast. As a part of its Storm Group partnership, Grilled will continue to have its brand on the prominent top back of Melbourne Storm's playing jersey through 2026, while the Grilled name also appears on the lower front of the Sunshine Coast Lightning's playing dress. Both clubs will be fueled by Grilled, with post-match meals and grilled will sponsor Storm's tri-celebrations after each four-pointer at home games highlighted by flamethrowers, touchline bolsters, LED and big screen advertising. As a part of the new partnership, Lightning athletes will have already started to team up with Storm players to create innovative digital and social content reaching one of the largest and most engaged sporting audiences in the country. Storm CEO Justin Rotsky said Grilled's new partnership was an exciting outcome for the Storm Group. We're delighted to have Grilled as a partner for both of the Storm's group elite teams. Storm and Lightning. With Storm, we have seen the mutual benefits the Grilled partnership has achieved over the first three years, and we look forward to building on those with the Lightning's inclusion this year. Recently, we experienced Grilled's fantastic support for our club when they helped to fund Ryan Pappenhausen's trip to an injury recovery specialist in the United States, which, as as well as helping Ryan in his bid to return to the field, received widespread media coverage and featured as a documentary on Fox Sports and KO. 
Let's hear what Justin Rotsky had to say at today's media conference. Today's a, an exciting day for, for the Melbourne Storm. Uh, today we're announcing an extension of our grilled partnership, not just for the Melbourne Storm, but for the Storm Group, with grilled also coming on board and partnering with the Sunshine Coast Lightning. So simultaneously to happening here today at the grilled store in Swan Street, Richmond, up in Queensland at Kiwana. Grilled will continue to feature obviously on the, the back of the Melbourne Storm jersey as well as a, a number of new uh, assets and initiatives that will be part of the Melbourne Storm and Grilled partnership heading into the 23 season. So uh, to Ben Goss, Chief Marketing Officer and Simon Crow, Managing Director, a big thank you for your continued support of the Melbourne Storm and the Storm Group. Uh, we very much appreciate partnering with Grilled. Grilled's an iconic and unique brand within the Australian market. Um, for us as a sports team to be the only team in a professional sporting sense to have a partnership with Grilled is very special to us and something that we see sets us apart uh, from all others. So on behalf of everybody at the Melbourne Storm, the Melbourne Storm group, including the Sunshine Coast Lightning, a big thank you to Grilled. Uh, today, very exciting news to be extending our partnership until the 2026 season. Justin Rodsky there talking about the Grilled Partnership extending their sponsorship of the club until the end of 2026. Uh, it's vital to have very strong, loyal, committed uh, sponsors and, and commercial partners. Um, again, we spoke about membership earlier and how important that is as a key revenue lever for clubs. To have a strong portfolio of com commercial partners investing in the club as well provides a really strong financial base for the club to be sustainable as well as financially viable going forward to ensure that Melbourne Storm will be around for a very, very long time to come. So thank you, Grill, for your continuous and loyal partnership and sponsorship of the mighty Melbourne Storm. <laughs> As mentioned, Grilled uh, was uh, paramount in, in ensuring that uh, Storm sensation Ryan Pappenhausen uh, was able to fly to the United States to work with renowned reconditioning specialist Bill Knowles uh, to help him in his recovery from that uh, horrible knee injury sustained last year. Um, it couldn't have been done without the uh, financial support of Grilled which is fantastic, and um, Melbourne Storm um, all week were excited to share in due time a documentary uh, which debuted on Fox Sports, Fox League, um, and KO Sports, uh, which followed Ryan Pappenhausen's rehabilitation in the United States after shattering his kneecap in round 18 last year of the NRL Premiership season. Um, Pappenhausen, as we know, travelled to Philadelphia to work with Knowles. And let's hear what Knowles had to say uh, from that documentary. 
he looked like a guy that was one ready to work. He also looked at a guy that looks like many of them do. They're they're frustrated and they've been out of their game. They're not frustrated with the process they've been going through. They're frustrated of being out of the game, and they all are. And it's most important though to be extremely honest and let the athlete know where I feel they currently are in their process and strip away time frames and timetables as when you can make it back and get them really you know hyper focused in on the process of what it needs to take and once they understand that and Ryan included um, they start relaxing and working better because now the stress is gone of saying I have to keep working I have to get back I have to get back they start to realize is I need to get back when I'm ready to get back and when I've ticked all these boxes and I've prepared myself to get back it's not a calendar date Bill Knowles there, the reconditioning specialist at uh, Knowles Athletic. So really, really good documentary. Uh, if you haven't had the opportunity to to watch it yet, it is available on demand on, on, on Fox, on Foxtel, on Fox Sports. Um, all you got to do is search for it and as well as KO as well. It is a feature on KO Sports, um, search the Rugby League Sport, and it will be there in the in the menu items. And I also note that it is available to watch on the Melbourne Storm website. So the club has actually uploaded the in due time documentary on the website. So you've got three mediums there: you have Fox Sports uh, or Foxtel, uh, KO Sports, and the club's website to watch in due time. So yeah, if you haven't watched it yet. Fascinating insight to see uh, Ryan Pappenhausen's journey back to being on the field for the Melbourne Storm, hopefully in a few weeks' time. Well, that just about does it for this week. A big and special thanks again to my mate Joey uh, the Bulldogs fan for lending his time to come on the podcast to preview round two's Storm vs Bulldogs game this Saturday night at Amy Park. Um, yeah, uh, first home game of the season, AFL free zone, which hopefully will translate to a fully packed, sold out Amy Park. Uh, let's hope it is. Let's hope the weather gods uh, are on our side and it will be a nice dry track nice dry evening um, which will see some really enterprising rugby league being played um, again having previewed the game with Joey I don't think it's going to be clear cut I don't think the storm can just rock up and expect to that Amy Park is going to get them the win I'm expecting a committed Canterbury uh, from everything that we've seen in the trials um, their, especially their first trial uh, but even elements of their of their game against the Sharks in their second trial during the preseason tournament. And even up until last week, you know, there was that uh, game-changing decision when, when Flanagan was sin-binned uh, that really changed the course and the momentum of the game. So I'm expecting a Bulldogs team that will be turning up to come to, coming to win um, and Storm need to ensure that there's, there's not a hint of complacency um, taking on Canterbury, who, again, don't have a bad record when it comes to playing down 
at Amy Park. So I don't think I don't think Amy Park is going to provide them with any sort of fear or trepidation. Uh, they'll be coming to win, and the Storm will have to be on their game to make sure. Uh, what do I want to see out of this game? I want to see a replication of the same steely do, do, uh, resolve of the Storm uh, defensively. Um, again, that purple war was back. Melbourne have always been known uh, for their defensive resolve. And again, it, it really sort of warmed the heart to see that effort uh, back there again last week, especially against the amount of ball that Parramatta had in the Storm's red zone attacking um, the Storm's goal line and to see the Storm continue to shut down and repel and scramble and deny Parramatta the right to score was really, really encouraging. So I want to see that same defensive effort. Um, I'm not expecting too much with the ball, especially with all the injuries and the outs, not having um, your first choice fullback, your first choice 5'8". I'm expecting a lot of points to be left out there. Um, Again, if they consolidate and they can build some pressure, I think organically points will come. Uh, Like my friend Joey said, I think it's really going to be back on on, on the back of the two nines and that really was going to come on the back of which forward pack can start to really dominate and get some inroads in and around that middle third. So if the Storm big man can really lay a platform and Harry Grant can jump on the back of that momentum that those those big big boppers can generate, then that's really, really bring Melbourne Storm in, especially with the, the dynamic run running of, of Jerome Hughes. Um, and if Jonah Pezzett does debut, uh, he needs to take on the line. Um, three three simple things with, with Jonah Pezzett. Take on the line when an opportunity does present itself. Um Make your tackles and kick well. They're they're really the three sort of basics that any sort of half that does come into the storm system really has to worry about and concern themselves with. That is, of course, if he does debut. I'm I'm only hypothesising of what I believe may happen, but time will tell. Uh, at the moment, Wishard is named in the six, and we'll see if that does transpire. He did play six in the trials, so. Let's just see if that is the way Belliac does roll. Uh, my prediction, I think it'll be much closer than what many people think. I think a Melbourne victory, anywhere between 1 to 12 points. I won't sit on the fence. I'll say Storm by 10. Uh, so, yeah, Storm by 10 over the Bulldogs this Saturday night, 7.30 p.m., Make sure you get to the game, Storm fans. Get your membership. Um, And, yeah, let's go Storm. Enjoy the footy this week. And, again, go Storm.